Podcast Appetite for Distortion. It is Brando episode one hundred. Wait, I have to get this correct, Mark, because you corrected me. You, you one ninety eight. One ninety eight. One ninety eight. Exactly. One hundred ninety eight. And uh, as right off the bat, this is an, another Golden Robot Records featured episode. So you get to uh, to see me if you want. And my, uh, I am growing back the beard slowly but surely. I'm not a mustache guy, but. I wish you'd hurry up. I'm in quarantine. Up. I got bored. <laughs> I wish you'd hurry up. Like, seriously. What so is my doing? girlfriend. What That's all the time we have now, Brenda. I mean, what, what I mean? You, you, you actually started looking like um, Adam Sandler in Uncut Gem. Is that, I don't know if that's good uh, or bad. Well, you should watch it and then you tell me what you think. I know what Adam Sandler <laughs> looks like. You know? <laughs> what is he going to do to himself? Anyway, before we get completely diverted already. So Mark Alexander... Herber from uh, the CEO from Golden Robot Records, and, and back with us also from Golden Robot, Kristen Tully. Uh, hey, Kristen, how are you? Having me. I like the uh, the Fleetwood Mac shirt. I finally got to see them last year uh, when concerts were still a thing at oh, Madison man. Square Garden. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's a great show. I worked for um, Mick for a little while when he did his solo stuff, but I oh, yeah? never seen the whole band together, and I would love to. It was it was great. It was great. And I don't know that why they. Did yeah. they have Neil Flynn playing? Yeah, that was. I was about to say Neil Flynn, and that was Finn. Finn, sorry. Come <laughs> on, mate. I'm forgetting the um because he, he he sang as well, Neil. So it's like he played his hits, and so did Fleetwood Mac, and it was just like it was. They played crowded house stuff. Yeah. Right. Fantastic. Yeah. So it was. It was just like it was like an awesome, uh, awesome experience. So the other voices you hear. As it's kind of like a Brady Bunch uh, setup right now, uh, Gary Beers. Hey, Gary. The of course the fame basis from NXS, and uh, now part of what we're going to talk about the new band Ash and Moon. Hey, Gary. It's really hey, nice hey, to meet you. Hey, Brandon. Nice to meet you too, man. Thank you for likewise. Having me. Likewise, and the voice that I've been listening to, uh, other than my own lately, has been Toby Rand. Uh, I want to hear what else other than Dust Bowl and Mosquito you have Ash and Moon has out right now. So, Toby. Uh, welcome. You're you're a pretty accomplished uh, vocalist, and I can't wait to learn uh, more about you. Uh, thank you, brother. Yeah, thanks for having us, mate. Looking forward to catching up all things Guns and Roses. It's going to be fun. <laughs> that as well, because you have GNR <laughs> stories. Because you, uh, you're one of, in your one of your previous lives. You have opened up for for Slash, right? Yeah, yeah. We did. Um, I think it was around 2010. We were introduced to Slash through one of my, my one of my old managers was. Was, was did a lot of the sponsorship work for Slash. Used to book, you know, like appearances, and was kind of like his right hand woman in a way. And uh, so we kind of got introduced to him, and we ended up doing a bunch of North American dates and European and Australian dates. So that was pretty over about two years. It was pretty awesome. And that, and that was with uh, Jew Cartel, right? Yeah, that was with the, with my old Aussie band, and we, uh, 
yeah, we had like a about a five year run, five or seven year run over here in the states or something like that. Maybe eight years, which was pretty awesome to be a bunch of Aussies and you know, kind of, kind of uh, spread our spread our kind of virginity, if you, if you like, coming over to America, growing up on the on the Sunset Strip, going just kind of uh, in awe of the whole place when it was still firing as it was back in 2006, you know? So, yeah, sure. sure. And we'll talk more about that because, of course, I want to talk about Ash and Moon, but I, I will say before I forget to, I love your background of the, the Prince. Is that like a collector's plate? What is that? That's, uh, that's one of the backup singers from Prince's band. My, the same manager looked after Prince as well, so I was in good hands. I was, I was just a steal shit, you know? Yeah, does he know that you've got it? <laughs> What's that? Does he know that you got the plate? This, this was uh, this uh, particular tambourine was at uh, one of Prince's last shows at the Congo Room in LA Live downtown to about a thousand people. Wow! Um, and one of the backup band, we all went backstage. We didn't get to see. We saw him briefly, but one of the backup band donated this tambourine. So yeah. Ironically, yeah. I I actually have the same tambourine back in Australia in a box. I don't know how I ended up with it, no. but I ended up with the exact same tambourine. And there's, a, there's a difference between the two of them. One has it on the wall and one has it in a <laughs> box in another country. <laughs> I can't even imagine. Gary, you probably have too much stuff to, to hang on the walls. It's I do. And I have I love... a good Rose story too when you're ready for that. Well, for sure. Uh, but I like to tease my get my listeners a little bit. And I want to make sure because at least right up front, because sometimes they're they're hyper nerdy about it. It's like let's get to the Guns N' Roses stuff. Well, I like the building radio <laughs> show. So I want to know uh, how you and Toby started Ash and Moon and what's what's going on there because I know you signed with with Golden Robot. So I would love to find out about the new project. Yeah, well, Toby um, obviously was in the Rockstar Supernova um, experience, which was a year after we did the Rockstar and Excess thing. But I didn't meet him through that. I actually went to a, screen, uh, a filming and saw him perform. I didn't meet him. But I met him at a party about three, three and a half years ago in very L.A. circumstances at a, at a, at a, a mutual friend's party. And the, the friend was like, Gary, get up and play with Toby. So I got up and played with Toby. And uh, we became good mates. And I asked him to join the band, I, like a, a fun side project band I had at the time. And then we decided... Um, to uh, take it further. That's cool. So how long has this project been in the works? We, well, we met three and a half years ago, but we started writing just a, probably a year and a, a year and a half ago, maybe not even that. And we spent all okay. together. All, you're actually, this is my studio. So this is where we lived all last year, making the record. And then now you're in quarantine. Yeah. Yeah. You want to get out. That's how I'm, the world I'm works. It's 24 seven. Now I can't get out. <laughs> The truth is, the family's actually locked him down there. He actually can't get out of the studio at all. <laughs> they put food under the door. Yeah, more locked out, really. Yeah, that's it. right. He's locked out, not locked out. All right. Well, if you need me to contact the authorities, just you know, tap your toe, tap your foot three times or something like that. If you need help, call the police. We call the police. Where did uh, the name Ash and Moon come from? I love that. I, I really do. Well, the one thing we were doing was, yeah, like recording at Gary's backyard studio. And every time that we'd finish a session, it would normally go pretty late. So we'd start during the daytime and then we'd walk out and the moon would just be sitting directly as we came into his backyard, um, you know, 
past or past all the, the 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 statue of David and all the other things he has back there. Um, and that was a joke, but anyway, uh, it's a beautiful house. And the, the moon would just be. <laughs> Are you getting me? All right. Yeah. No, I so got you. Moon, I, that, was, that was sarcasm. I, I just screwed it up. So you're, you're good. Keep you on. <laughs> the moon would go there and, um, and there was the, the, the last year when we had those huge fires, was it the year or the year before? I can't remember. Um, it might've been last year. Uh, the moon would just be blood red and it actually looked like it was on fire. And, and we were all t- we're throwing around the idea of, of a band name with moon in it. And um, we're like, let's call it Ash Moon. And then we're like, but well, that could be Ashley Moon. Or, you know, whatever. It could be someone's name. And then we just kind of, you know, we have a love for uh, for the 70s. And obviously the, the word Ash and Lady was quite popular. And that word Ash and just seemed to go really well together. So that's kind of how we got it. Because of our, our love for 70s music and the fact that the moon would just stare at us as soon as we finished the session. I like that. See, I think that's such an underrated. Yeah, yeah there are very famous bands with dumb names. I love the Beatles, but I mean... What are we doing? Even Dave Grohl says he hates the Foo Fighters, but it's for the reason why I like Guns N' Roses, the way In Excess is spelt, you know, Jew Cartel, the way that's spelt, the way that sounds. Like, those are cool names, Ash and Moon. So that's, for me, that, maybe I'm weird, that goal goes along with everything. It's just the the sound, the look, the name of the band. So uh, I think it's an important thing, and and Toby really had a thing for that that, that band name and we we had pages and pages and, and books full of other other name suggestions that were all so so bad and, and we kept coming back to Ash and Moon and Toby's even doodling it down and so I, I used to do graphic art so I, I started drawing it out so the, the logo you see is Toby's initial idea with my my artwork so and then he's yeah. gone on to do the artwork with a, with a graphic artist that he met through our, our, our social media so it's a real homegrown little project. Did you ever Truth. tell the story, and you could tell me just like, hey, look it up, kid. Did you ever tell the story of how the name in excess came about? Have you, have you said that before? Buh, Brando. Um, we, um, we were discovered by um, Midnight Oil's then manager, and he had a whole vision of calling a band in excess. So we went with him uh, with that idea. And then <laughs> a, week, a week into the uh, Oh, yeah, a week into the tour of a three-week tour supporting Midnight Oil, he disappeared. He found God he disappeared. And, yeah. and so we were, the tour finished and was sitting there going, do we go back to being in excess? I mean, who actually know, owns the name in excess? We go back to being the Farris brothers and then uh, we decided to keep you know, continue on as, as in excess. And I want Kristen to say what you said off the air. Because I want to know if you've even thought about it. Because here now, <laughs> no I'm kidding. I, okay, did anyone ever like notice? It's like say, oh, in sync ripped you guys off later on. I mean, it's they took your logo. <laughs> they did. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm actually more concerned about all the NXS cover bands ripping off our logo. Yeah, you know, blatantly ripping <laughs> off right now. There's, there's, um, there's a few in Sydney that 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 actually. You know what I love about you know what I love about a, a cover band. Let's talk about an NXS cover band. They actually come out dressed like you or dressed like Michael and, and hit the way he used to do things. They're actually a full-on copy, copy band. It's unbelievable. And they're doing really well. I know. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of jealous, I've got to say. <laughs> but but it's, uh, no, it's, it's, it, it's flattering, but it's infuriating. You know, like it's, 
uh, they're getting more bold. Using they're using our our in excess social media to advertise themselves. Totally. So the band is touring um, off of your music as a cover band. Like there's like let the, uh, get the let out. All those bands like they they've actually become quite popular because everyone wants to hear. You can't hear Led Zeppelin. You can't hear it in excess. So they go and watch these cover bands. But do you guys get a portion of that? Like they're playing big venues, amphitheaters. Like uh, we're, we're always chasing them. Um, yeah, someone does. So they really they do owe us a lot of money. That's for sure. It's crazy. I mean, what, what you could actually do. What I believe you could do if you really wanted to go into it, you could get their tour schedule of everywhere they played, and then you could go in the back end and submit all their shows on behalf of Inexcess and say that they played out there. Yeah. Would that work? No, a better way. A couple of days. Gary and I could go to every show with a baseball bat. Oh, yeah. I was going to say, I was going to say, we'll just go there with Rocco and Moose. Yeah. Yeah, we'll go with a baseball bat and we'll collect the takings after, but we'll go after the show and collect the takings. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You know, I, I love that we're talking about this because cover bands are, are huge. And you're right, there are some bands they just don't exist and this is the only experience that you're going to have i mean here on long island i mean uh big shot they sell out Mulcahy's if if, if if that's a local reference anyone gets it's like a big bar and all they play is billy joel but they have billy's band play with them so it's it's cool but it's not it's not billy but it's, it's player ended up with that gig on billy joel because he was in that cover band yeah you know yeah those those things it's it's cool i love stories like that yeah, and the guy from Journey. I mean, he, yeah. Yeah, it's so weird. Anyway. So I love those stories, but where I'm going to tie everything in is I once saw a Van Halen cover band open up for a Guns N' Roses cover band. And this was maybe 2002, 2003. So before both bands got you know back together, air quote, if that works, the air quotes here. So I'm like, I'm never going to see David Lee Roth and Eddie Van Halen on stage. I'm never going to see Axel and Slash on stage ever. So I finally got to experience that recently. Gary, you got to see that at a time that I, I only wish I could have experienced because I'm seeing a, a certainly, I don't want, you know, more adults, polished guns and roses. I, I, yeah. I don't, I didn't see the GNR, the, the, the lore of the, the so please, it, it was 1988, 87 that, that there was this giant festival uh, that I you guys were supposed to play. Yeah, it was it was a show at Texas Stadium, um, and it was we headlined Guns N' Roses were before us, Iggy Pop was before them, and Ziggy Marley was opening the show, and it was it was huge. It was it was sold out. It was was um, yeah, and Texas Stadium. I mean, big open dome, a uh, bit of light rain to make it really sweaty and and, and messy was great. Um, but Guns N' Roses, they, yeah, they tried to pull out of the gig for months and months because. Yeah, you know, their album had, had gone to number one in that time, and they, yeah, Axel especially did not want to go on before Michael Hutchins, and so they they kind of insisted they do the show. They did the show. Axel chucked a huge wobbly, um, which you know, like, you know, he got very upset, and they did the show. The show was great. They they played well. But then Axel ran off and he looked for something to smash, and my bass rig's all there, ready to you know, ready to roll on stage. And he's he looks at it. And he's got his microphone stand. He starts running towards it. And my, my bass tech is this rather large black guy. He's like, eh, eh, eh. <laughs> he's standing there with his, eating his, his uh, white cake going, nah. and Axel went, yeah, other way. But we ended up hanging out all night. It was great. They, they, yeah, they ended up, especially Duff and Slash, real sweethearts, I've got to say, really nice guys. And uh, 
and Iggy Pop. We just hung out all night with Iggy Pop and Slash and Duff and NXS. That was a really good night. So the, there was no. I mean, how did you feel about that? Did Ax? Did you get the vibe, or did Axel say that I don't want to open for Michael or in excess? Like, did that yeah. rub you the wrong way, or did you get it? Like, you know, I get it if they're number one. Like, how did, what was your thought process? Yeah, I get it. They, they were number one. They were the biggest. They were the, they were the biggest things you know, in the world at that time, especially in America. So, well, you've got to remember, Gary, and Gary won't say this, but I'll, well, he might say, it, but I'll say it. the three biggest bands in the world in 1988, without any question was U2 with the Joshua Tree, In Excess with Kick, and Guns N' Roses with Appetite for Destruction. They were the three biggest bands in the world. And that's it. Mm. Nothing yeah. else came close. Was there any sort of... So, was there, so, I mean, if you understood it, and you see an Axel and I guess, how we sometimes visualize him in the stereotypical angry Axel, but then you're partying at night. So, I mean, that's just... A, I don't know. Like, how did that... How did it seem to go from one extreme to the other? Was it just you kind of just always looked at it like, yeah, whatever. Once the show, once the, once the gig is over, we'll just hang out and be friends. Well, he wasn't at the party. I think yeah, the rest of the band were because they were a bit embarrassed by his actions. But um, yeah, Axel's Axel. I mean, we we toured all through South America, one or two weeks behind Guns N' Roses, playing the same gigantic outdoor festivals. Um, and the stories were always that Axel would not go on stage until he was ready, which is usually two in the morning, three in the morning. And they had an accountant with a briefcase full of money to pay off all the fines that they would get, which is usually two or $300,000 <laughs> per show, just until he was ready. Cause he, I, but I, I've, since then I've hung out with his, um, the tour manager from the time. And he said, look, he's a good guy. He just really, he really cares about his, his vocal. And he really works to get his vocal right. So I'll, I'll take that as the truth. But I, I, I could not imagine being in a band with that, waiting to go on stage for like four hours, you know, just so he's right. And then finishing the gig at dawn. I mean, it, that's just not fun to me. I mean, so, but yeah, I got to, but having said that, I, I have the utmost admiration for, for the band. They made some great music. Um, Slash is a great guitar player and a, and a wonderful guy. Duff's a, an amazing bass player. Great guy. You think Michael should be mentioned more when we talk about because it's fun that you know these lists that we talk about the you know, top singers, top rock singers. You know, Axel's mentioned, Freddie Mercury's mentioned. You know, uh, Michael's he's up there. He, do, you, do you feel that he? Hundred percent. And I understand that there's a regional thing too because you could be like, okay, this band. What I hear that from other countries when listeners from other countries don't feel the way Americans feel about Aerosmith. It's just different. Gun, that's why Guns N' Roses is global. I've talked to uh, fans from other countries feel that way. Uh, so in excess, obviously crossed over all over. So it's not even just a, a regional. Even to that being said, I just feel like he's, as the years go by, I don't want, I'm like, I don't want his memory. Obviously you don't either. None of us do. To get lost in the shuffle, do you feel like he's undermentioned at all when we talk about these all-time greats? I, I do in the fact that he's not mentioned as a, a great singer, a, a brilliant performer, and a really good guy. I get. I, I think time is passing on, so we're getting over the fact he's being mentioned as a guy who, who you know, died in a, in a tragic way. I just think that, that that tends to mar the perception of how how good he was as a singer. And I think 
time will change that. I think the songs will always be around. Video, I mean, I'm just still discovering video of Michael performing that I hadn't even seen before. Because I obviously it was a very dark for me to to look at Michael's you know, old videos or what have you after you know the whole horrible thing unfolded. But now I'm I'm starting to because I yeah it's very cathartic for me to do Ash and the Moon and meet Toby and basically start all, all over again with a with a great Aussie singer. So um, I'm actually opening up to to letting that seep back into my life, my my existence with mm-hmm. Michael and Excess. And I think it will. I think yeah, Michael will get a whole different level of respect because. He's one of the most unique singers of all time. I mean, he's the timbre of his voice was very unique, you know. And and in all honesty, he never missed a note, like ever, you know. And, and I, it, I just it, feel it's interesting, Brandon. It's interesting because um, being in this industry and 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 dealing with cats like Toby and and other lead singers, um, and I think you know Toby's an absolute star. And one of the things that's missing at the moment is. Um, the truest essence of that rock star, you know, like, like, you know, like Michael was or like Axel was and et cetera, et cetera. There's a real opening there at the moment for the next rock star. And, and there's a lot of people trying to get in there, but, but they don't there. There's a lot of great bands. There's, a, there's just not a lot of rock stars anymore. This doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. Yeah. One of, the, one of the things that I've found, working with Gary as well, is that when we, when we started playing together, we obviously it was heavily in excess based because we were doing a lot of corporate shows. And then, you know, it's just so easy to put something like that together. You, you play at the Beverly Hills Hotel and everyone, as soon as you start with New Sensation, you got everyone just ready to rock, you know, and you, from then on you have them in your hands. And one of the things that having to cover Michael's stuff, because, you know, I was a cover singer up until I was about 22, I guess, growing up in Australia, play six, seven nights a week, make great money party a lot yeah. um but then take it professionally and then you, you're not doing that but uh but mm-hmm. one of getting back into covering in excess which i hadn't done for 20 years or 15 years having to learn michael's stuff going holy crap this guy is an unbelievable singer and his pitch hearing the live recordings his pitch and the way that his voice sits above a normal registered voice um, he put me to he put me to school, and I became a better singer in the last couple of years from just doing that alone. And is there, um, is there pressure on you? I, I, love it. I was just about to ask that. Yeah, is there pressure? Like, like you're standing out there in Ashen Moon, okay, and can't wait to get you live again. But you're yeah. standing out there knowing that Gary's behind you, and does that put pressure? Because he has worked with for 20 years with one of the greatest league singers of all time. Does that put a little bit of extra pressure on performance as well as? Or does that give you confidence maybe because Gary wants to work with you? It gave me pressure at the start because if I fumbled a word and I'd lean and look around to try and cover my embarrassment, there would Gary be going, nah, mate, that wasn't the right word, was it? No, you know. And so because he was, he was with, he was with the guy that wrote the songs and, and, you know, wrote the lyric. And sometimes I'd be a bit nervous when I first started, but now, now I just feel like it's my own. Like I, if you, if there's any way to, 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 to say that, uh, um, in excess, the vocal, the vocals have become my, my interpretation. I'm not trying to be anything. Yeah. I'm just trying to, I'm being myself through great music. And that's what I've learned with all the music that we do right now. And what we're going to find once we come out of this situation of quarantine is that, the bands with authenticity and with truth behind their performance and their delivery and their lyrics and their content are the ones that are going to survive. I firmly believe that. 
Yeah, I totally agree with that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that, that's how I feel, just the approach with everything. That's why I think I may have said this you know, at least before in other podcasts. I didn't, you know, I'm obviously at home right now. You know, all my cats are in the closet or whatever, but I'm usually in a studio. And I was like, can I do a, a podcast from home? I finally just got this microphone. But, oh, oh there's a nice little doggy. Is that a real dog? I'm, I'm, I'm oh, at home. <laughs> He's been asleep on my floor. He's, this is Bowie. He's got one blue eye and one black or brown eye. Oh, and we, he's very cute. It's the third, third day in, but he's, I just now that you said your cats are in the closet, he heard you and he woke up. So I'm just, <laughs> you picked him up and he was all stiff. I thought he was a stuffed animal at first. That's so funny. <laughs> but it's it's just I, I've learned from, and it's probably the same thing that you've learned. You're putting a product out there that's authentic. People are going to respond to that, and that's why I I, I can. Just from the short conversation and all the research that I did leading up to it, this is a band I I want to check out. You know, so what were what was in the works before the world exploded, so to speak? Like, what was supposed to happen? Should you have been on tour right now? What's on hold uh, with Ash yeah. and Moon? I was just um, yeah, I was just I was just editing. Where I'm editing down a music video right now, um, and so that's one of the things that's good about ha- what's happening right now is that we're able to spend time getting um, all that content together that we normally would, you know, wouldn't have time to do. And, and I like being really hands-on with it. I'm teaching um, everyone else in the band, you know, like that, you know, if we, if the more we get our hands in there, the more it becomes more like us. And, um, and I was just speaking with my manager and he's like, he goes, man, you know what? Like I feel really bad, sad for you guys. And I said, well, mate, we're, we're, we're all not alone. So all, every single band's in the same boat. Right now, we would be tour, uh, rehearsing for a tour. We had um, an East Coast a festival booked, and then we had a run of shows coming up um, in July. Uh, we had a bunch of corporate things that were, we uh, would have just finished. Um, I'm also in a musical, which is on the East Coast, and, and uh, that got cancelled. So there's a whole bunch of things that we were doing. We are going to do a, another legacy show uh, with an orchestra for um uh, based around in excess, that got unfortunately let go as well. So all these little things that we've been uh, putting together have, have gone. So we've just gone back to what it's like being a new band, and that is let's get everything together, let's get all our content, let's shoot some music, music videos, which we shot this incredible music video for Dust Bowl, which we captured LA with you know no traffic, no one in it. It's like literally become a Dust Bowl. Um, and so we're going to do a world premiere of that um, in conjunction with Golden Robot in the next kind of couple of weeks. Um, yeah. And just doing, we, we set up a studio at Gary's place called Gary's Garage. You know, brilliant name. Who would have thought? Um, you got to say it right. Exactly. Just like you said, Gary's Garage. Yeah. Or we could say Gary's Garage. You get some word, Gary's Garage. You know? Oh, you got to combine the words. Right, right, right. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah um and so we and we and we're we just we just road tested the other day it's going to be set up for live stream so just live stream shows man I, I think uh lots of quarantine videos we just recorded um some acoustic versions for the record we did a couple of in excess songs um one of gary's favorite songs the stairs we did a beautiful cover of that so we're going to just have um great content coming out that we probably normally wouldn't have the time to do so we're looking at the positive at the moment you guys are a prime example of what, to, how to use quarantine time in a creative yeah. and productive way, quite honestly, because everybody sits at home and goes, I'm bored. It's like, what do you mean you're bored? Like you guys yeah. are like, you couldn't do more. And you're like, can we do this? How about this? And I love that about you guys. Cause 
you're so into just the creative aspect of it being an artist and coming up with ideas and even just thinking mm. out of the box instead of sitting there and complaining. The long haul, we like, yeah, we really feel this is our, yeah, our new band. Yeah. So it's m myself, Toby and Jimmy are the, the nucleus of this band. And Jimmy's just sitting at home. He got really quarantined because he had some, uh, like some back, minor back surgery. Yeah. So he was really stuck at home, like in his apartment for two or three weeks. So he just did all his acoustic tracks of all that, of, of Asher Moon tracks. And we've been building it up at home. Toby's been singing, doing percussion. I've been doing bass and programming and stuff here. And it's just been really cathartic, I've got to say, because, and finally we feel, you know, we've all been tested. We all feel comfortable to, to get together. So we, we spent you know, the weekend setting up the garage. So now we're a garage band. I love it. I mean, it's, it, it, you know, we're we're yeah. we're so keen to get everything out there and and and, and get our music. It's where, out we, it's where we started and, it, and it's where we are right now. So, I'm, what I'm excited about is what all the records that, that are coming out and what's like. Even Rolling Stones just came out with a a new song, which is basically you know quarantine driven, and it's a banger. It's awesome. I'm excited to hear what all these legacy acts are going to put out. I'm I'm excited to hear what all the new music's going to be like because people actually aren't just going in a studio to bang out like a, a, a two minute, you know, whatever it is, it's going to be a well thought out, hopefully constructed record that we can all, that we'll look back and go, wow, what a classic record that was. And hopefully one ours is like one of those. So, yeah. Well, I, I believe it well. And to tie, you know, everything together, the theme of this show, that's what fans want. Cause they, it was just yesterday, I believe Guns N' Roses officially canceled or postponed the North American tour. Yeah. That was the next concert I was going to go to. We all want new music that Slash is now back in the, in the band. Uh, and I'm actually glad Mark that the meeting was a little bit late. I'm glad that I'm also angry, not at you uh, because tonight Guns N' Roses premiered uh, their, a, a live show on, on YouTube that everyone's doing just like they told me you were just talking about Gary, you're talking about, you're providing all this content. We're not getting it as GNR fans. That's why I have a podcast, I guess. So they premiered. Guess how long it was? It wasn't. A, it wasn't a full concert. They made a big deal about this. They're going to show. It's like one. Anyone just throw out a, a, a number or what's that, Kristen? Five minutes. Fifteen. It was fifteen minutes. They played three songs. It was like from a show in Utah from last year, and that's it. So I'm hoping they're working on new music. So. Well, we know they are. Uh, we'll see. I don't. I don't know anything. I know nothing. I don't. I, from what I know, from what I hear from the members that are involved with Golden Robot, I hear that there's new music, and that's not a secret. They're working well, on new music, and I asked the best question the other day. You know the question I asked: Does it sound like the old stuff? Does it sound like the new stuff? And we heard it sound like the old stuff, so that's good. I'll, I'll take know. that. Well, as all GNR fans say, until it's in my hand. Yeah, but at least cool. on Spotify, I can uh -huh. click your songs already. Well, let's talk about a more positive time. I was, that was my segue into just talking about GNR again. <laughs> Toby, can you just tell me yeah. about like, anything that sticks out in your mind with the experience opening up for, for Slash and, and that band? Yeah, man. I mean, I was because I was in, uh, lucky enough to be in, the, in when Slash was doing his solo records, you know, when he had... Um, initially, he started up with, with a band called Slash and Friends. Uh, so it was... Frankie Perez on vocals, who's an incredible singer. Um, John, Jason Bonham on drums. Ozzy Osbourne on vocals. Ronnie Wood on rhythm. Fergie on vocals. Uh, 
Teddy, the keyboard player used to play with Guns N' Roses, was back sure, there. he's been on the show. And yeah, um, he's a great guy. So we, we, were, we were doing uh, some House of Blues shows here um, with that, and then there was this huge budget to play in Norway at the Court Festival in 2009, I think it was, and so somehow Duke Cartel got on the bill and we all flew over and, and we got to open up for that Slash and Friends show, and it was... You know, backstage, you know, I got to hang out with Ronnie Wood briefly. You know, I, I think I was 12, 13 years older than his girlfriend. Um, so he was like 67, his girlfriend was 19. And I was just looking around. <laughs> nice. This is surreal. And, and I remember Slash coming up to us before, because uh, we became pretty close with them. We used to have barbecues at the house and, you know, you'd have Paris Hilton who lived across the road. She'd come over with her pet pig all the time and just really random stuff. And, um, and uh, but Slash came up before the show in, in Norway and no one could find Ronnie Wood. And they were like, they were like, they better not have fucking done it again. And we're like, what? And he goes, he's not drinking again, is he? And, and so Slash goes, if you see him, tell him to come our way because everyone's, you know, flipping out. Anyway, so the show started without Ronnie. We... See Ronnie come from the back. He's got a bottle of uh, vodka in his hand. Hands it over to the stage tech. Walks up the side of the stage. Gets someone to put the strap around his shoulder, and then fucking slays for an hour and a half. The best guitaring you've seen, you know. Just and it was just like at the end, everyone was just laughing and just going thank fuck, you know. But it was it was one of the coolest things because we're just like watching it all go down, like this new band from Australia going, what is going on? And it was just the coolest <laughs> thing, you know. We had, you know, Fergie in our dressing room, my bass player decided to start a game of who can eat the strawberry the sexiest. And so nice. that was a fun game to play. Good tactics. <laughs> just like right. really fun stuff. And, and Slash was, um, when we started with him, you know, he'd, he'd been sober and, and he was incredibly switched on and very business op, um, orientated. And there was no fucking around. He, he wouldn't let you into his circle if you were going to be a fuck up and, and ruin um, your opportunity. And so luckily we, we were in the same mindset. We, we just secured a record deal over here and our record label said, listen, this, you've got an opportunity here. It's up to you guys to blow it or not. Go over to his house for barbecues and, you know, we, we just treat it like it was a respect thing. And he saw that and he would invite us downstairs to show us, you know, his new material for, um, for his Slash Records with, uh, with Miles Kennedy singing on it. And I was just, and then we got to play shows with Miles Kennedy when Miles Kennedy joined the, the Conspirators and um, we did an Australian tour and just watching the backstage way that they went around their business, Miles Kennedy's warm-ups, Slash's warm-ups, you know, they, they would literally lock themselves away for an hour, hour and a half, warm everything up. And it was just a pro show and the best lesson that I've learned in my musical career was doing shows like that, you know, opening up for those superstars. So nothing, I didn't see anything that was really debaucherous, just apart from the people that were like just sucking, sucking the energy away from him, you know, who, who thought I'm cool because I'm with Slash or whatever. But oh, he was I don't even care about those stories. The ones you're telling are, are great. I mean, you must feel to work yeah. with, you know, to be in that environment and now to be in a band with Gary, you know, you, you really have, just, have learned I mean, you're just, you must be constantly picking brains and just constantly learning, and it, it never ends. It is, it is, and, and a lot of the feedback, like a lot of people, I mean, I've been doing music for a while, and sometimes you do lose your identity in this industry. I can speak on behalf of 98% of every artist, I believe, 
because sometimes you're pushed to do something that doesn't feel uniquely you. But finally, I really do after all these years, the record that I've done with Gary is 100% what I want to do with it. If there's no, there was no like, oh, I'm not sure if I should take that turn. I basically, with Gary, produced myself and Gary allowed me to co-produce the record with him. And that's, we didn't allow anyone into the family that we, that wasn't believed in the project um, and didn't see uh, our direction. And that's one of the reasons why we're sitting on this call with, uh, with Mark and Kristen is because when Golden Robot uh, picked up the phone, we had to tell them, you know, what do you like about this? And they said all the right things, which is we love, it's all about the music and it's about authenticity and, and hard work, you know, then the fun comes. <laughs> How did uh, the writing process go? Who wrote the majority of music and what's some of the lyrical content we can expect? Uh, it, it was, each song was different. I mean, I, we all yeah. had songs in, uh, on various formats from, from our parts. I had three songs, three bits of music that were, I presented to an excess um, that were one, we ran out of time on one record, one was too heavy, one was, you know, just for various reasons. And I, I still have them on my, on my computer, hard drive. So Toby heard those and just turned them into something amazing. Like, you know, like a whole rebirth of those bits. And Toby had some stuff that, uh, yeah, I, I thought was amazing too. And then a lot of it, we just sat here and wrote. I mean, he, I, there'd be a, a bass riff and then Toby would grab a guitar and just start writing a whole song around it. And Jimmy would yeah. come in and do I his think thing. that's what we... Yeah, I think one of the, the first two songs are exactly the right two songs that describe the writing process. Um, Dust Bowl was a, was a synth pad that I used, uh, that I had sitting in my, um, uh, on my Logic program and it just sounded like in excess. It sounded like Gary had to put a bass line on it and he did and it was just, here it comes. And then Mosquito, Gary had that, that, that riff with that, that what sound that, that, that annoying thing, that buzz, I was like, you know what? That's going to lock into people's heads. I like that. I like that annoying thing. It sounds like a mosquito, you know, and so that's how we kind of married the first two songs and I think it's a great um, way to kick off our record because they, they both came from our both our different backgrounds and then we met in the middle, so, yeah. Mosquito has like a, a little bit of a country, like, hint to it. Am I, am I, am I right with that? It's kind of got a real swampy feel to it. Like a, yeah, yeah. Like real country, like real country. Yeah. Hence the name, Brandon. Hence the name, Mosquito. <laughs> I didn't. Oh, boom! I didn't put that together, but you're right. But it does. It feels like a, a swampy blues song, you know, like from you know down south in America. So, yeah, it, yeah. everything. Everything we keep saying the word organic and passion project, but it really was. I mean, we we just like kids. We we spent all all our waking hours in the studio, and then we go inside and we'd eat. Like the old days, you know, the, around the family table with my kids and my my family and my mother-in-law, and we come back out and we, you know, we just really put everything into it. And then if a song wasn't working, we'd we'd start again on that song. And it, there's no no record company per se breathing down our necks. There's no deadlines. There's no you know, budget because it was all done here. Uh, I was engineering it, and we and predominantly it was me and Toby just sitting here just nutting out, fleshing out what you hear as a record. But, you know, it's interesting, Brandon, because working with the boys for the last few months um, and that same 
youthful, can I use that word? That same youthful energy with all that Gary's done and all that Toby's done from the few stories you just heard then. They, they've approached this in a very youthful manner, as in it's their first, they've got all this experience, but it's like their, their first band again. It's, it's, it's quite exciting yeah. because, you know, we're talking all the time on, on texts or emails or I've spoken to Toby a couple of times now on the mobile and on the cell phone. So it's almost like um, it's not a rebirth or a start again. It's just a new band. And it's uh, and they've approached it as a new band, and you know we're 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 tweaking things, whether it's a color of a logo or we're checking Spotify streams. You know, I jump up every morning, and you know, and I've, we've got quite a few bands that we look after, but I'm particularly interested in Ash and Moon, and I'm following it personally and getting involved. And I've watched Dust Bowl this morning just creep forward over Mosquito, just in a. I don't know if you've seen that, Toby or Gary, but it's, it's and I'm that's going, my one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> its streams are going up only slightly, but you can see now that the, the dust bowl started to do a little bit better. But but um, you know, it's it's like they've got this really fresh youthful. I'm saying youthful, but you know, like like 17 year olds that have got a new band sort of approach but with experience, it's really, really cool to watch and be part of. That is the, the, the real gel for, for the, especially the three of us, Jimmy, myself and Toby, is that we, we love music. And, and we say, you know, in the, the promo, you know, the bio that we're trying to give back to the artists that, that made us love music in the first place. And that's, that's the truth. I mean, I wouldn't be doing this if I, if I didn't, you love playing and writing and recording music. I mean, and Toby's the same and Toby's put his heart and soul in the lyrics for this record. Jimmy's finally, Jimmy didn't play in a band for like 15 years after his last band broke up. He just didn't want to do it again. We finally lured him back in and he's playing his heart out. So you just got, we, we are like kids. I mean, we've, we're like, you know, kids in a lolly shop. I mean, we got a studio, we got, we got, we're together, we're mates. Um, and we've got, uh, yeah, and we know we knew we were onto something because as soon as we started writing, our harshest critics, you know, my wife, my kids, all loved it. Yeah, and and the guys okay. who've been living here, you know, like basically, you know, part of my my family for most of last year, and you know you're onto something when you when your mates, your family all love each other, your loved ones all love each other, and we, and it really I think it comes across in the music, and it, it is like a whole new beginning for us because for me, for an excess. It was a six-piece band with a, you know, with a manager, with his opinion. Andrew and Michael were the main writers. And my problem was that we had two of the best writers in the world in my band. So I've been building this up all my, you know, all my, all my songwriting career to this moment. You know? and, and for me, it's, 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 it's really hands-on for me. You know, I engineered it. We produced it together, me and Toby. Um, you know, it's predominantly my writing and, and Toby's writing. And it's, it just really just grew into something that we, it kind of took us over, you know? I can't wait to hear the rest of it. And obviously I can't wait like everyone else, not for concerts. I, I want to see you live. I want to feel the energy I'm feeling right now. I want to see that on stage. So, um, Gary's garage. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. You, you got to figure out the right fonts to, to combine Gary and garage into Garage. Uh, yeah. 
Sounds like I'm having a stroke. Gary, uh, Gary, hey, Gary, there you go. Gary, let's go. <laughs> let's Gary. go on the road with. Let's go on the road with Guns and Roses. Then how about that? We'll do 15 minute shows. We'll do that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's just because, like, again, you guys are so accessible, and I know. You know, my favorite band is what it is, and it's fun to do a podcast about it, whatever. My heart's right. not, gonna, not really like that upset over it, but still, you know, she's having dance parties. Dave Matthews dance parties every Wednesday. I'm not a fan, but you guys are giving your fan stuff. I want to be given things that I don't have to pay for all the time or whatever. So <laughs> it's just yeah, a, it's just great that you guys are so accessible. Say that again, Toby. One thing that what I what I got to say about GNR was I went to when they reformed a few years back um, in Vegas at the T-Mobile Centre because I missed I missed the Troubadour show because the tickets just went you know through was it the Troubadour I think it was the Troubadour um, so we got tickets for Vegas and so we me my manager and my buddy Bryce we all we all flew out there and we caught you know their big homecoming you know on the main stage Allison Chains opened up with Willem Devol who I think is just ridiculously amazing. Um, we saw Alice in Chains and we were like, ah, oh. and when they, when, when Guns N' Roses came out, mate, they played for two and a half hours and Axel sung three nights in a row. And, and I saw him on the other one. He sung fantastic. It was incredible. Cause obviously he had a lot of experience doing the ACDC stuff and he had to keep his chops. But mate, he was a pro. He was happy. He was smiling. His arm around Slash. Duff was happy. Duff always looks like a stud. You know, the whole thing was like a well-oiled, ridiculous machine. And they're, you know, they're, these guys are like, you know, they they could easily just give up and not not be passionate about music and live comfortably for the rest of their lives. But they look like they wanted to be there, and that's exactly the same energy that Gary's talking about, and that everyone should be talking about. And that's why I think that when this is all over. Bands should just want to fire up and get get out there and crush it. So let's see. Well said, well said. And, I, and I've enjoyed the concerts that I've gone to, and I was also lucky enough to see Axel with ACDC at Madison Square really? Garden. Oh, that might be my favorite yeah. show ever. Really? It was just, he, it was just like pure rasp for two hours. And Angus, I mean, he's this old guy. He's sweating, but he's just rocking. Like he since day one. And I was happy when I, I saw um, interview with the, with with the guys where they they said that Axel turned up and he really wanted to play Touch Too Much, which they'd never played. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, and it's one of my it's probably my favorite uh, ACDC song. And I got a whole new respect for Axel because that's that's his favorite ACDC song or the one he really wanted to sing. And on a side no, the- note, ACDC played at my school dance. So, you know, what, what chance did I have to to not be rock and roll. Uh, I was going to ask, since Axel asked them to play Touch Too Much, I was going to ask Toby, did you ask any In Excess, uh, like what's your favorite In Excess song? But I think the more important story right now is ACDC playing your, wait, what? They played your, your high school graduation? What did you going to say? We had a local a local dance. It was called the Forestville Bop, the Forry Bop. And they played it. So I got to see them... Um, when I was probably 16 uh, and I was set up on it. It was a basketball, little basketball, what do you call it? Arena. Court. Uh, really, t- yeah, court, really tiny. Yeah. And there's probably, I don't know, 150 kids there and on the floor and they, no schoolboy outfits. They, they had the twin stack marshals 
and I was standing right in front of Malcolm, then I moved over and stand in front of Angus, and every and they were just wearing like you know, Miller Western shirts and, and desert you know, desert boots and, and Amco flares, and they just turn around every song and just turn up and turn. And they could, they're so <laughs> they just reached the knobs of their twin stack marshals, and they got so loud that my pants are flapping. And it was incredible. And then about three days later, they, they were a last minute addition to to like a four band gig at the Horton Pavilion, which at the time was our, our big gig. I saw Queen there and Status Quo and Super Tramp and whatever, uh, Black Sabbath. Whatever, yeah. as one does. Yeah, whatever. But, um, but they were a last minute addition. And in those couple of days, Angus, uh, I think the, 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 the story was that one of the roadies' wives you know, said, you know, knitted the schoolboy outfit for him. So in that two days, they, they, he went from just looking like a regular guy um, to being Angus and leaping around the stage doing the Chuck Berry thing, basically completely in the two days between I saw him at my local dance and I saw him opening up for all these, these big bands in Australia, um, he became the Angus we know now. It wow. was actually unbelievable to watch because I'm thinking, it's the same group, it's the same band, ACDC. I remember that name. And they just, Again, and they, I'm, tr- they, I'm trying to process a- all this. And don't forget, I mean, Brandon, don't forget that when uh, Gunners toured, it was this tour here, actually. When Gunners toured um, um, Australia, because we've got uh, Rose Tattoo on the label, when they toured Australia, um, I think I was in at the Brisbane show because Rose Tattoo, Wolf Mother and Rose, and Rose Tattoo opened up. And um, uh, Angry Anderson, the singer of Rose Tattoo, came back right. out during the set and sung... Bad Boys. Uh, sorry, excuse me. Nice Boys. Nice Boys. Yeah. I was just watching Bad Boys with Will Smith. <laughs> um, was watching, was watching, I uh, played Nice Boys because Nice Boys was on the first EP. And he did, duet, he did a duet with, with um, so to speak, with Axel. And then at some other stage, I'll try and find the photo in a minute, my phone. Some other stage, um, Angus came out and played with them a few songs during that night. He's been playing with them forever. Yeah, it was awesome. So, so like I said, I it was it was amazing. But that that uh that got me thinking, Gary, because you just mentioned that show, and you just nonchalantly saying, "Oh, I saw a Queen." And do you have a favorite show that that sticks out? You know, it could be it could be one of your own. That in the middle of the night, you still think about the show, good, bad, funny. You know, is there is there one ab- above all the others? I think uh, obviously, if you ask any. Any, pretty much any, any of the guys from In Excess that our own personal favourite show was Wembley Stadium. When we, you know, selling out Wembley Stadium for an Aussie band is, is phenomenal because you know, England, especially the press, they really hate Australians and, and we went through all that uh, for years. And then finally, they, you know, we had number one singles and then we sold out Wembley Stadium. But before that, we, we supported Queen at Wembley Stadium in, I think it was 80, 86, 85. And we were the last minute addition because there was three nights. The band that was op- open the first two nights decided in a really stupid move, the, the girl singer decided to throw back some of the tomatoes and, and fruit and veggies that were thrown on stage to get them off stage. And they got pelted off stage, never to be seen again. So we we're like, yeah, we'll do it. And we got up there and just made sure we didn't throw any, any food back on the stage, uh, back off the stage. And we went down well, uh, yeah, we're getting we're sort of you know, getting over 
playing the gig and then Freddie wanders in in his full stage gear with his microphone stand and just says, that was wonderful, loved it. And then we got invited to tour Europe with him and, and the UK. So, um, and enjoy the most amazing parties and dinner, dinner extravaganzas you've ever seen because that band knew how to throw a really classy party and a really classy dinner engagement. So they were all class. Queen was the most amazing, amazing guys to be, be around. You did Live Aid, though, didn't you? We did a, uh, We were broadcast from the, uh, the Entertainment Centre in Sydney. Yeah. So, so there, there you go, Brandon. That's two Live Aid people in two days I've brought to your show. I know. Look at you. Thank you. If I was making any money, Mark, I would, you know, tip you. <laughs> there, there's that photo. Can you see that photo? I do. Oh, okay. There you go. There's Slash oh, with... Angus. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's, and uh, angry. Yeah. Um, oh, angry. Anderson. Okay. Ash, Duff, Richard, and Jagger, my son, at that at that point. So that was that. Look how big I look. My arm looks massive. That's why I was like, "Is that you?" Yeah. 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 Oh my god! Yeah. I look like you have horns. <laughs> you look like Hellboy. Twenty eighth. <laughs> of September. Oh no, no, that's when I put it up. I don't know when. I don't know when it was from. It must have been two thousand and sixteen. Yeah, that's it. I think that's about when they, they came, went, went back out, yeah. yeah. That's where I met Dizzy, and that's how we ended up doing the, the record deal for his oh. album, and I met Frank on that tour too. See, Gary, all these you know connections, I always use the phrase the six degrees of G&R Bacon instead of Kevin Bacon. <laughs> you know, as much, as much as I love G&R, you know, I want to have a well-rounded I've show. I've met Kevin Bacon too, so there you go. Footloose. <laughs> <laughs> No, he was the host make it on the show. He was the host on SNL when we played SNL. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. That's right. It's my six degrees. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I miss when they played the uh, the old SNLs on Comedy Central. But anyway, I digress. Um, I kept you guys long enough. Toby, I, I, I want to ask one last, one last question. Uh, what's your favorite In Excess song to sing? Um, that's the tough one. I I mean, the, the ones that feel really good to me, the the one that I think that secured the gig for me with Gary was singing Never Tear Us Apart. I mean, it's, 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 a, it's a classic. It's the one that, you know, it's a, the big ballad. Um, but then, you know, having to, Gary's like some of the, like the one thing, you know, or, or the love and, and having to do songs that I hadn't done before. I really love doing Listen Like Thieves and then recording Stairs. The Stairs is, um, you know, that's the one that I, when you see the, the footage of Wembley, when Michael pretty much introduced, this is a new one called The Stairs and no one no one really knows it, but by the end of the song, everyone's connected. That's a, I think that one is my, my new old favourite. But, um, you know, there's a, if we continue to do some some recording uh, of, of some classic in excess, I'm sure we'll open up the whole vault and, and pick some obscure ones and, and twist them around and I look forward to awesome. it. Mate. Yeah. So much to look yeah. forward to. And, uh, and, Kristen, and Mark, if you have anything else, I mean, Brandon, I, I, I was just going to ask yeah. Gary. Wasn't when he announced the stairs was just when that acid um, that he took um, drop came in? Is it is that a true story? He, he dropped like uh, five or six E's at the beginning of the show, so um, I'm sure they'll come on by then. And the intro, the, the intro to the stairs that in excess used to play was like a minute long, so I'm sure it really came on then. But um, <laughs> yeah, but. but Toby's right. I mean, that I've always wanted to hear Toby sing that song because um, In Excess didn't play it that much. I mean, we played it during that X tour, but 
and at Wembley Stadium. But and I always love Michael's lyrics there. I mean, and and I think the lyrics that he wrote then really apply to how we should feel about each other now. Mm. About you know, you know, we all live together. It's very. It reminds me of what New York's been going through. Interesting. Interesting. So much to look forward to. I mean, just congratulations on what Ashen Moon is now, and I can't wait to see what it continues to be. And uh, let's just hope the world uh, heals itself sooner rather than later that you can get back on, on the road and, and perform. And um, when, when you're in New York, when I'm actually in a studio, I would love to have you in studio. Be great. Love to. We'll be there. Awesome. Thank you, Brando. Appreciate it, brother. Yep, very exciting. Very, Thanks, very exciting. When you got a when you got a band full of great, great people, you got great music that's authentic. And I can tell you, I've listened to the album. The production on the album is don't be fooled by the the tag home studio. It is unbelievable. You would it's never know. There's some ser- some serious coin was spent on this on the production of this album, and the songs are speaking for themselves. And when we start putting visuals with it. And then the boys can play live and really let this eagle stretch out. <laughs> but there's nothing holding these boys back. It's, re- it's, it's very exciting. And as a label, we feel very honoured to be involved with them. Thank you, mate. No, it's an honour well, to have you all to, uh, here today. And Kristen, I always appreciate your facial expressions. Uh, throughout the- <laughs> <laughs> At least I didn't get to the again. It's okay. Uh, we, 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 we've got we've got mad respect for this guy, Kristen in particular. Kristen's been really great at at uh, bridging the Australia and American gap and keeping everything alive. And then you know, we just feel like this team's great. Get to meet people like yourself, Brando. I get to relive my my stories of Slash, which I hadn't thought about for a couple of you know a couple of years or whatever. And and I get to remember mm-hmm. all those cool experiences that I have. And then it makes you want to fucking play more music, really, and, and write more. So it's great. <laughs> I appreciate it. Right on. Thank you all. Yeah. All right. Thanks, boys. Thanks, Kristen. Thank you, Brandon. Cheers. Take Peace care. out. Be safe. Talk soon. <laughs> See so that does it for this episode of Appetite for Distortion, another Zoom edition. So if you want to watch the video, watch some, some faces talk because there's not enough of those on TV, uh, just go to Facebook, facebook.com slash the AFD show, and you get to Look at all of our lovely faces. And I appreciate doing these Zoom episodes. And uh, another special thank you, because I'm using his Zoom account, because I don't want to pay for it, uh, is Mark Alexander Erber from Golden Robot Records. And him and Kristen just kind of out of nowhere just became friends of the show. And it, it initially just went back to Alex Grassi, of course, from Quiet Riot and Hookers and Blow. He thought Mark would be a great guest. And this was, I think, late last year. And he was. And it's interesting. Mark's like, you know what? You know, hit me up later uh, in two, uh, 2020. We'll do more of these. And with the quarantine happening, I'm like, you know what? I think this is a good time to reach out to Mark, see what's going on. Let me get the perspective of somebody at a label about all that's that's the craziness. So that we had Mark on. We had Kristen from Artist, Artist Development on. And we've continued. Steve Riley from LA Guns. Michael DeBayer. Michael DeBar uh, as well. And then uh, today's episode with Ash and Moon. And um, I'm sure in the future we're going to do many, many more of these Zoom podcasts. I know a lot of you do appreciate that to see who is talking, I guess. But I'm old school radio. I like to be behind the mic. I like theater of the mind. But uh, this is the way the world works now. So, And you know what? It's kind of having fun. I don't know if you appreciate my makeshift background. 
with uh, so if you feel like commenting on that or anything, just the episodes themselves, the, the usual deal. Uh, social media, facebook.com slash the AFD show at uh, Twitter, on Twitter at the AFD show, Instagram on there, Appetite for Distortion. You can always send me an email, the AFD show at gmail.com. Any of the platforms you listen to, whether it be on iHeartRadio, you found us through Q1043, there's always a comment section. So leave me comments. I really, really do appreciate all of it. And I get new listeners all the time. And actually, let me just give a, a shout out to a listener. Uh, who just messaged me, which was just nice as we, we approached 200 episodes. And this is why I, I, if you ever think I repeat myself, this is why, because there's always new people finding us. This is from uh, another listener from Australia. We have a really great listening base in Australia. Gary, Gary Hahn messaged me. And uh, what did he say? A quick hello from new listener in Australia. I've been listening to a few of the older podcasts as well. And it's the recent ones that I've got to say, I'm really impressed by both the quality of your guests and the professionalism of yourself. I try to be professional. Uh, well done, buddy. Keep up the great work. And like I always ask of you, he did have some great suggestions for a guest. And this is a name I need to follow up on. It was suggested to me way early on in the podcast and it didn't work out. Rick Richards. I got to try to contact Rick Richards because he's, he's played with Izzy. You know, he is a, he's a great Izzy connection. We need more Izzy episodes. Wouldn't you agree? I, I will tell you the next episode, though, is a Michael Jackson episode. <laughs> yeah, believe it or not. Of course, there's the six degrees of GNR Bacon with Michael Jackson and, and Slash. So I have an interview with uh, Dita Weisner, a former manager of Michael Jackson. And I'm going to ask him about the relationship between uh, Slash and Michael. Okay, so stick around for that. And then after that, episode 200. I don't know what I have planned for that yet. It could be nothing. It's just an arbitrary number. But each and every episode, uh, I appreciate the, the ride that you're following me on. So until then, when will you hear it? When will you hear the next episode, uh, the next uh, the next guest on the AFD show? Well, in the words of Axel Rose concerning Chinese democracy, I don't know if soon is the word, but you'll see it. security, I'm going home.